Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes 3. RPGs and Baby Makes 3, Reimagined. RPGs and Baby Makes 3, Reimagined. <laughs> See, now you don't listen to the podcast ever because I do the editing, but I actually redid it last time. RPGs and Baby Makes 3, Reimagined. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It's weird doing this this way. So for for people who can't actually see us, because, you know, we're a podcast. Which is everybody. Yeah. Um, we usually sit next to each other on, you know. Uh, usually on the couch. On the couch. But right now we have a table between us, and I'm staring deeply into my husband's eyes. It's um, a little weird, isn't it? It is weird. Because we're, we're having a, a sitter over right now, and we are currently hiding in our studio office game room. Yeah. Trying to have some parent time. <laughs> right, so it's like a separate... We converted our two-car garage into an office. And, With a bathroom uh, nicer than our house bathroom. Yeah, because there was actually plumbing already here, <laughs> which was amazing. But we, we started the night, actually, because we did not just go straight to the podcast. We didn't, like, get a sitter so he could record this podcast. Because to our literal fan out there... <laughs> <laughs> we would not we take have a... like four fans. The most recent episode has gotten a lot of listens, actually. But the is it because it's reimagined? Because it's reimagined. Ooh. But I feel like I need jazz hands when we say that. I know. Reimagined. Gretchen's doing jazz hands every time she says that, even if she's not. <laughs> but we we so we went and picked up some uh, some falafel wraps yep. and uh, the best French fries. The best French fries in Savannah. And then what we played. Look at the Micro name. Macro. Yeah, what is it called? It's got a micro macro, isn't it? Micro macro crime city, which we got from that awesome game store in DC. Which the name you cannot remember. Can you remember it? No, but I'm. You have your phone in front of you, and you're like looking it up. You you start by criticizing me for not knowing the name, and then you look. Labyrinth games and puzzles. That's such a great game shop. It is. I think we talked about how great it was the last time. I think so too. I think we mentioned how it's divided into like the sections tabletop and then collectible card games yeah. and then rpgs and they had people in every section very diverse group um which was really cool oh and i can talk about it now because i was gonna get you i saw that they had a choose your own adventure rpg or or board game and i was like okay my husband always talks about how much fun he had with choose your own adventure this will be great and then I looked up on Board Game Geek because you know you gotta check ratings before you walk out the door, and they weren't good to put it gently. Um, and then this guy comes over and works there, and and you know just proceeded to talk to me and ask me some questions. And normally I'm the kind of person who's like, oh my god, don't talk to me. But they were I, the right kind of nerds, though. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like it was it was it felt it didn't feel to me over bearing or totally awkward and no one was condescending towards me which is kind of be a bit of a rarity in game stores because you know i have boobs yeah but and, there were like and clearly i have no idea about gaming well there was <laughs> women working there there were people of color there was like 
you know, LGBTQ plus flags everywhere. It was not your typical game store, you know, neckbeard game store. Not that I'm necessarily... <laughs> not that I'm necessarily, <laughs> you know... Uh, I don't know. Let's... I, I was looking at a neckbeard earlier today. Were you? Yes. For work? Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Let, let's, let's roll for initiative. <laughs> Bumper missing. So we we've actually been doing some gaming like in since we last. Yes, because we figured out the secret is paying twenty dollars an hour <laughs> into it. Getting a sitter. <laughs> but we so we had the but we we played low stakes the what oh, we do right, in the shadows yeah. game. We have and I finally got to fulfill my dream. What's that dream, Gretchen? To play the ghost properly. So low stakes is what is is a game by Nerdburger Games. We talked about it last time too, but Nerdburger Games, it's a uh, you play what we do in the shadows. You play the characters, and yeah. you are the ghost, and nobody's because, good at playing the ghost. Because every time, well, I think part of the problem is is every time we play this game, people who have not watched the show play one of the more difficult things to be. You know, because ghosts you you have to know what the ghost can do in this specific setting. Right. Yeah. And or or you have to... You, you can do whatever you want in this game. You, your powers can be whatever. So you don't have to, like, play it like it's on the show. But it seems like we've had a couple times where we played and people played Ghost and they just really struggled with it. Yeah. And so I'm a big fan of the show. And I was damn determined to play the ghost and have fun with it and make it work. And I think I did a good job. I think you did a good job too. The game was pretty fun, but I think both Brian and Greg, who played with us, they both liked the movie, but they hadn't really watched the show and it wasn't recent. So like they weren't totally into it. Whereas you and I, like the new season comes out and we watch it the moments the episodes come out. Or we try to. Yeah. We have to work around, can. you know, a, a small human. Everybody out there who is a parent understands where we're coming from <laughs> with this. But, you know, we so we watch it. And so I think we're kind of like gung-ho what we do in the Shadow of Superfans. And when we've played with other people who are that into the show or who have, like, watched it all, I think those folks have the most fun with it because it really is a game where you are playing the show. Yeah. So, like, you kind of need to really know the show to have get the most out of it brian and greg both did a great job as role players yeah. but it was just greg not was a werewolf mm -hmm. and oh and brian was like a scottish vampire that's right that's right he actually did a pretty good yeah. rogue both of them <laughs> did a great job role playing i just think yeah. it's kind of it's hard to get that feel if you don't really know the show i think they did well. a good job yeah i think they did a good job too but I think the most fun I've had with that game is when it's playing with a bunch of super fans. You know, it's kind of like you get just, I don't know, everybody really, they know the it's cues. Just, it's so much fun. That's a great game. And then we played Aberrant. We did the first, we did the session zero of Aberrant, the White Wolf version from 1999. I don't know that we really played it. We... Session zero. But it's character building. That's still, if that doesn't count, as the game, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think it counts as playing the game. That's a good debate, actually. Is a session zero playing the game? 
Well, we could lead into that right now. Is a session? But do we want to talk about that? I don't know. Do we? We can talk about maybe, it. Let's talk about that a little bit right you now. You know, we should maybe have Amanda on for that one. We've had a session zero episode before. Yes, about why, you know, why they're important. Mm-hmm. But, but we could just have a little. I do not believe that session zero is playing a game. Well, you know what's interesting, though? Would you... Would you... Okay, let's talk about that because I think it depends on the game, too. Because we play Dresden Files, right? And what system does Dresden Files... Do I have Dresden Files out here right now? Really effing complicated system. I have the Dresden Files core book here. In fact, I'm pulling it off of the game shelf right now. It is a Fate game. And Fate, the Fate system... Tell us your story. That's what it says on the back. Are you smelling looks, the book? Yeah, I'd like to smell a book. Maybe I want to see if it smells <laughs> brand new. This is like a really nice copy of this book, actually. Um, which apparently is like harder to find now. And it's like just become super... Expensive. I love that book series. I didn't realize this was an Evil Hat game. Evil Hat did Thirsty Sword Lesbians as well. Which we still haven't played. No. Um, and I actually have a lot of stuff for that, um, that game. But anyway, the... Um, it's a fake game, and, and so building the world was like a kind of a meta game in and of itself. Remember, we had those like you had those like forms, and like we had to fill stuff out and everything. So intricate and complicated. But it was fun though. Us, right? And then we played the game. We then we. And that was the only time we played. We did the build, and then we actually had a session too. Because remember. Yeah, I remember Harrison. There was like breaking into a somewhere was i in, was i playing like a drug addict and another character yeah yeah you were playing a guy who was kind of like the dude from umbrella academy oh was, yeah that's was, right because it had, was right after umbrella academy season one had come out and so i was really into that character he's funny yeah um but yeah i mean so that in that sense the session zero was its own kind of like mini game yeah so that was playing a I was playing Dresden Files, right? Or was it? What do you think? Well, I think you're bridging the gap there because we played a session in it. So there was active role playing, but there was no role playing. No, we played two sessions. We did one. Well, no, but I'm, I'm okay. All right, we did two sessions. If there was role playing done and your characters were in front of you and you get into the game and you start the motions of playing, then you were playing. But if you're sitting there building a character, that's not playing! It's not role-playing, but is it... I think it's still playing, though. Playing the game. You don't think it's it's playing the game? No! What is it, then? It's just... It's the worst session, because you have to, like, <laughs> come up with, with your character and all the things and the bells and the whistles, and then you have the numbers, and then you have the rules, and then... Okay, I think we're getting into some deeper issues, Scratch. Let's talk about these issues. <laughs> We already had therapy today. You're going to have to wait two weeks. I so like, no, I don't think that's playing. I love making characters to an extent. I don't know if you remember, I almost joined a game, Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 game, like maybe like two years ago. And I, part of that game is we had to create our characters but we had to build them and create a plan 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> for the character. This is the one where you checked out before session one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we had to... We had to, so we had to create the plan for the character, and it had to be up to level 20. And we had to, like, this is where our abilities are going to go, here's where our skills are going to go, and, like, That's crazy. and all this. Which, whoever was that DM, they're crazy. <clears throat> we can debate that or not. I thought I don't it was, know who it is, but they're crazy. I actually can't even remember his name. He's a nice enough guy. I know, but there needs to be fluidity in everything. It can't be rigid. You have to be able to go with the flow. Well, I mean, I think that that is a little bit silly because it's like, it's like, it's like you're about to graduate from high school and you plan out your whole life and then it's some idea that you never change that. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? It's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I kind of hate it. I, not even kind of. How did I go from being a marine biologist to a photographic retoucher? <laughs> Well, but it was interesting. The interesting thing about it, though, was I can't that do math. The, the character, though, like I still have that character, and it's obviously totally well designed. Like I know exactly what it can do, and and I mean it's it's all there. But like, why even play the character then after that? Because you know where you're gonna end up. Yeah, That's like a good point. I mean, it's not, it's not like, though, I mean, me, the, that game was obviously going to be so mechanical. Because when you're talking about doing that level of mechanical pre-gaming, like character creation. That meant something totally know, different in my very, 20s. <laughs> I know, seriously. Um, <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but if you do so much of that, you know you're going to do... It, it's not, it wasn't going to be a role-playing game. It was going to be a, a, a game where there's going to be a lot of mechanics. And one of the other players who was the GM's like best friend was talking... Like whenever we'd have sessions and he'd be talking about stuff. It was always like mechanical stuff. So you knew that what you're going to do essentially is be playing a strategy game. Not necessarily a role-playing game. No. So in that circumstance, it really is like, what is the point of actually playing the game? Because really what you're doing is you're going through the game to enact mechanics of your character. Whereas what you and I, well, I don't speak for you specifically, but what I really enjoy is the role-playing. I almost never really care about the power level of my character or like what my character I can take my character whatever. I absolutely care about leveling up and stuff. An interesting character. <laughs> I actually don't. Have I don't it. level up. Yeah. I, don't, I was really bad at leveling up in video games, too. Yeah, I'd you like were. like hoard my leveling up for Fallout for no reason. I don't know. know. Like, I, I have, have eight levels. issues, except, you know, I've been with you for 24 years and we have a kid. So that's plenty of commitment right there. Lord Almighty. I feel it every day, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i actually been reading the Aberrant book. Yeah. Hey, cover yeah. to cover. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm impressed or dumbfounded. Well, I talked to you. I kind of mentioned this to you. So, I the, the Aberrant RPG books, it's about 300 pages. It's like technically 285. We should get dramatic. Did you bring it in here? I don't have it. I don't have it in here. It's in the house. Because I'm not done with it. I have 27 more pages to go. 
But it's, Does this count for your Goodreads reading challenge? Oh, it's on. It was in Goodreads, so I was put it, it on there. Yeah, so I put it on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you don't know, Goodreads is like a site where you can kind of track your reading progress throughout a year. It kind of helps me keep on track with reading. Because I do love reading, but sometimes I can get distracted. Although I do have seven books that I'm currently reading according to my Goodreads because I've put some aside for a bit and gone to other books. I actually started another one last night. It's really hard for me to do that right now. Um, I started the fifth season, the second book of the fifth season. Well, wait, we'll talk about our books Yeah, at the, the end. end. We always yeah. talk about books at the end. But the... I've been reading it cover to cover, and it's been a really long time. I mentioned this to you. It's been a really long time since I've read a chunky RPG book from cover to cover. I haven't had time to do it, right? I mean, like... I mean, do you have time right now? You just fit it in where you can. I read a little bit every night, here and there, and, like, you know, whenever I have a tiny break, I'll, like, try to when pull it out. child steals your reading light. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I actually brought it. I thought we were going to go to dance today. I was going to read it while he was at dance class, stuff like that. But I, what I really want to do is I want... One of the things I always... There's a there's something that happens in lots of RPGs, especially in Dungeons and & Dragons, but people learn how to play the game, but don't read the rules. So people are taught how to play, right? And you, it's happened with you. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so people are taught how to I play. I personally attacked. And it's interesting because... Because there's a lot of house rules. A lot of house rules. And so people literally don't know how the, to play the game rules as written. People learn how to play the game based on the game master who's running it a lot of the time. And then you might find rules. Like when you have to rule, look up something really specific, you'll be like, Oh, I've got to figure out... You know, I'm running at somebody and I'm going to try to tackle and bash them. So I look them up and then you find out some detail about the rules that nobody has been playing with like the whole time. Well, yeah, but I feel like you're kind of going the opposite direction. So the idea was is we would do our character building in session zero. And Rob and I roll up expecting to do character building. And everyone else, the three other people, Garrett, Howard, and Travis have already built their characters. Basically, and Travis totally said he done. had like 10 different characters. I think it was 12, 12? I don't know. And Rob and I looked at each other and we muted ourselves. We're like, what, what the hell? <laughs> we're the only ones that haven't built our characters. Look, I have literally not even opened the book yet. I hadn't even opened the PDF of the oh, game book. If yet. you haven't, you sure as hell know I didn't. You probably don't even know what it was called before we showed up that day. Did you know what it was called? Oh, you had said the name a bunch of times, but I, you know. I don't think I did because I I said we were playing a superhero game, and I thought it was a different game. I actually thought we were going to play, what's the other game? It wasn't Mutants and Masterminds or Marvel Superheroes. It was, it was another game. So now you're, you want to show up to session one, throw the book down dramatically, and you're like, I'm ready. And then well, I'll be sitting there, what are we doing? I, so, no, the real reason why I was reading it, I, I read that book because we're playing that game. So it had some, like, direct value to me right now to read that book. Because we're going to play. So I, like, have that information. But I actually just kind of want to learn a little bit more about games and systems 
to have a better sense of like what I really enjoy. Because I kind of like a balance between crunch and mechanics and roleplay. Like, it's not, I don't really like a game that's too crunchy in terms of in-game play crunch. Which, which is exactly why I bowed out of Ravenloft. It was just, it was too much for me. Too, yeah, too and we're going to talk about Dungeons & Dragons here. Oh, there. yeah. <laughs> but I do like a little bit more of crunch when it comes to leveling. I know you don't enjoy doing the leveling, but I kind of like, I like knowing that I get some experience points and my character gets better. I, I like know. that. I like, I like leveling a dragon lance. Um, I mean, I, I didn't get to it till later. I had, I, I'm just delay leveling period, but I like doing it in supernatural because, you know, you get some more bells and whistles. But with Pathfinder, it was just too much. Yeah. Too much. Well, that's the point that I'm kind of getting at is that we, there are so many RPGs out there right now, and there's not enough time for us to play all the ones we want to play. So I want to find, get a better sense of like, what do I really enjoy? And I will tell you, I really liked. I think it's called the Storyteller System, or I, I think that's what the White Wolf System is, but the D10 dice pool system that is like Vampire the Masquerade and Werewolf the Apocalypse, and, and of course Aberrant is one of those games as well. And although it's not a World of Darkness game. But I like... I, I liked the Vampire System. And so, like, I wanted to read it because I wanted to kind of see if it's something I really enjoy. Now, I will tell you I'm a little bit annoyed by the minutiae of the rules in the core book. Like, I'm reading it, and there's, like, some details about it that, like, I don't know, the way, like, dice pool versus, like, ads and all that. But I was telling you, and I'm this is the case in, like, all kinds of games, whether it be role-playing games or board games is a lot of times something that doesn't make entire sense like when you're reading it when you actually play it becomes super intuitive and i remember that those white wolf games a lot of times ended up becoming really intuitive like you'd end up like you get playing and it's just like you're always doing d10 dice rules there's always the same target number every single time and so, like, it's always seven. So you're like, you just grab a handful of dice and you roll it, and anything that's higher than a seven, a seven or higher, it's a success, and you try to build successes. And so, like, the, to me, that I, 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 as I'm just reading it from a like, I'm just, you know, just reading a rule book essentially, it's a little annoying the mechanics of it. But I kind of feel like it'll be kind of interesting. But I also, when, when it's played. But I also really liked the flavor. There's like a hundred... The average really interesting because the first hundred pages of the book, it's all flavor. It's all stories and like fake newspaper articles and news things. A hundred pages of flavor before you even read a rule. And I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. Because they're telling you everything you need to know about the game before you play. They're saying, this is a story game. 
Here's 100 pages of flavor before you even learn one rule. And then there's a grind of reading like, you know, 150 pages of rules. And then at the very end, it gets into storytelling. And it's it's a storyteller section about how to run the game. Like from Are a, you actually sitting there reading about each power and stuff? Yeah, I'm reading about the powers and everything. I've read every page, you know, cover to cover. Well, I know it sounds crazy, but I love these games, and like, you know, I mean, I want to learn about this stuff. You know, I want to learn how to, I want to learn game mechanics. Like, I think it's interesting for me. I don't, what can I say? It's interesting. It's interesting to me. I'm glad. So, been doing that. I also played Iron Sworn again. I got to play Iron Sworn yeah. again. That was pretty cool. Okay. Now, Iron Sworn is perfect to me. It's the perfect game. I love Iron Sworn. I play Iron Sworn anytime. Uh, you played post-apocalyptic Iron Sworn. I did, and I really enjoy playing with Ben Spurdito and uh, Amanda Plagman. Um, you know, I, I think I'm looking forward to my mind being quiet enough to be able to focus on what's going on in games and enjoy them more. I will tell you, Iron Sworn is one of those games that you really have to be engaged with the entire time. Yes. And I also feel like it's a game that you can't play more than two hours. I mean, for me, it's exhausting to me because you're it's it's so much creative energy is required of the players during the play that I get beyond that and it's just a little bit more it's just exhausting you know it get be it's exhausting i mean even the combat is narrative so like even that is you know like you don't get a sort of mental break during combat where you're just like rolling dice I and it's one of the more difficult things is you have to choose your own like if you mess up you have to choose the consequence which is hard yeah but that's half the fun yeah but it, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. And we had things like, we had crazy stuff happening in the post-apocalyptic game. It was too bad we couldn't continue it because of Lincoln's deciding to stay up until 10 p.m. every night. I think we're getting better now. I think so, too. For yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, at least on my nights. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's pretty crazy. Well, should we get into our main topic? I mean, because yeah. we've got we've been something. We've jibber-jabbering yeah. for 27 minutes. Well, let's get into our main topic then. Code three, error. Code three, error. Our main topic tonight. Ah, uh, I'm kicking an ant's nest. Gretchen hates D and D. Poking the wasp nest. Kind of. It's kind of. This is kind of I what the topic is. Stepped on the red ant hill. This is going to probably upset some people. That you hate D&D? It's not, <laughs> it's not that I hate D&D. You it's just hate the people that play it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Robin. Actually, we're here in the office tonight for me to let you know you'll be staying here from now on. <laughs> With all the D&D books. <laughs> yes, and you can cuddle up to them as much as you want at night. Um, no, I just feel like D&D and Dragonlance and pathfinder it's all the same it's it's the same i i don't i is it fantasy the genre or is it the game i 
think it's this idea of like medieval fantasy. Okay. So, you know, if you were to take this and put it into a modern context and setting, it might mix it up a little bit more in my brain. But right now I'm like, okay, so we got some effing chainmail and armor and we're going to go camping out in the woods and light a fire and you know, roast the wolf and then we're going to go roast murder the hobo. Wolf? I don't know. <laughs> we're going to go all murder hobo on this, you know, like pack of orcs and like... I'm still stuck on roasting wolves. <laughs> well, there was that one time with that one guy. What? Remember he got like really upset said about wolves <laughs> ruined Ravenloft in the beginning no what wasn't it about wolves like his character had like a pure hatred for wolves and he, he like went off and just brutalized it was really disturbing oh right and then something yeah. yes the person we called Dixie Dixie yes oh right yes um I mean, we're. I just, I just see it as the same thing. Like, I can't help it. You know, I. I yeah, I just. I don't know. And you know, I didn't want. I played D and D with you a little bit when we first started dating, and then I had zero interest in it. And I started playing again because you were so hyped about Dragonlance. And there was this option to play a Kender, which I really thought was pretty cool because, you know, I can... Tick Tick's a great character. I love Tick Tick. Um, but then somehow it branched off into doing more D&D. <laughs> I don't know how, this, how I got sucked into this. Like, well, well, Pathfinder... I, you know, I'm sitting here and, I, and I'm looking at Call of Cthulhu and oh, that's something I can get behind. I still don't get the mechanics and thank goodness nick is such a good dm or gm where he will They're tell called, me it's called a keeper a keeper and, uh -huh. yeah well he's so good at it that he'll just let me know that i'm insane at a certain point and here's what happens nick is an excellent keeper for, for well, i still want to get him on the show to talk about yeah well system for those mastery. who are wondering nick is the he actually plays in the temple of elemental evil game which we have as our which we have as an actual play stream on the RPGs and Baby Makes 3 uh, YouTube. And so Nick is in there. And that's the same Nick that we talk about. And he's an excellent, excellent keeper. He's just the, a really nice guy. Yeah, too. he is a really nice guy. I really like and, Nick. And, I, it, you know, it's been interesting because we've played a couple of games where he's had to deal with some wackadoo stuff. And it's nice seeing how he handles it in a way that, I probably wouldn't be able to handle it. Nick, this is, I mean, we, I always talk about system mastery, but Nick has absolute system mastery over, over that game. And so like anything comes up, he just calls out the rule. I'm kind of that way with second edition, AD, Advanced Lessons and Dragons as well, because like, I can be like, oh yeah, you're plus two for this or you're minus four. Don't forget your tumbling. That'll give you minus four to AC or whatever. Like I know the rules so well that I can call out other people's rules like as a DM. And I try to help you guys out with that because well, Dragon Well, I mean, you literally have to hold my hand. So, <laughs> well, it's you. really hard to hold your hand and GM at the same time, especially when we're in different rooms. <laughs> Just really awkward. I mean, it, it's pretty much like you're holding my hand. I wanted to mention though, because I read this book uh, 
a while back called Of Dice and Men, the story of Dungeons and Dragons and the people who play it by David Ewald. And he's like a magazine writer, but he also plays Dungeons and Dragons. And he talked a little bit about his campaign that he played in um, during the book. And they were playing 3.5, which is essentially the same system as Pathfinder. And it was far future. And it was in the United States, and it was in America. And it was like post-apocalyptic far future where like vampires had kind of like taken over the world. I think it was called Vampire World is what they, so what the, the DM called it. So like vampires had sort of taken over the world and they were like, they were wizards and fighters. It was all the same character classes and stuff, but it was... So it was D&D. It was, but vampires. It was D&D, but it was like, there were also, it was post-apocalyptic America. So the setting was post-apocalyptic America. Mm. You know, like the books... Could I get behind that? Could I do it? I feel like... I don't know. Like the Magicians, you know that that series of books, yeah. The Magicians, and then they had a show on sci-fi, yeah. which I know you I watch. Read, yeah, and I read all the books. I read all the books as well. And, and I watched the show, too. I didn't watch the show. I watched some of the show, but I was like, <laughs> really stupid. So it's... <laughs> I'm not going to say it got better. <laughs> I, I actually don't even think the books were that great. I thought the first book was good and they got progressively worse. But regardless, in that, for example, like they do magic and they still use like their hands and there's like magic stuff and there's even that like other world that's like almost medieval-y, magic-y mm -hmm. world, you know? Yeah. But it's also in our time period. Like it's contemporary times. And I think that that's what, you know, he talked about that. In his campaign, in the you know, in his book, he kind of talks about his. He goes back to his campaign every now and then, and D and D doesn't have to be a medieval fantasy game. And in fact, there are numerous, like there's a um, steampunk setting, for example, um, Eberron is sort of a steampunk setting. We've never explored that before. There's a space setting, and you got Spelljammer. Maybe that. Wait a minute. I think Spelljammer. And it's really crunchy, isn't it? I mean, it's just as crunchy as yeah. all the rest then, of D&D. Then, then... No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's theme. It's theme, which is medieval fantasy. That's A. And B is the crunch is too much for you. Now, in my opinion, Pathfinder 3.5, and I don't have a lot of experience with 4th edition, but Pathfinder in 3.5, to me, is the crunchiest version of D&D. Because the skills. I think the skills are, and skills and feats and everything, the character classes are so variable with what you can do with them. Which some people love. Some people love to be able to, like, super customize your character in that way. It makes it so that way every time you level up, there's a lot you can do, or, as you might put it, have to do. Whereas, like, in, let's say, AD&D 2nd Edition and any of the earlier versions, and I would argue also in 5th Edition to a certain extent, although it's a little bit crunchier, you basically, you level up, and it tells you everything you get. You don't really choose much after you level up. You just kind of get it. I mean, every fourth level you get, like, a new proficiency. I mean, you're talking, and I hear you talking. I'm, I'm not listening to what you're saying. I'm, I'm still trying <laughs> to sort out. So typical. You know what? <laughs> Another problem is, is it's all the same. Like, I play Tick-Tick. I don't like playing Tick-Tick as a Kender Thief. 
because that's what's expected. I think you meet a dwarf, you know what you're going to get. They're going to love drinking. They're going to be, you know, gruff. There's all of these stereotypes that go along with the class, with the, the races. And I'm kind of over that. Um, and, you know, I think when you, you meet different, like you mixed it's it up. It's the Tolkien archetypes. Yeah. But you mixed it up when we met the... The Hobgoblins. Yes. And that. I really appreciated that because, I mean, you know, and that's why Tick Tick goes into everything. Like, hey, we're going to be friends to start off with because I just, I don't know, the, the elves are going to be haughty or you got the wood elves who are going to be like, you know, earthy kind of people um, who are frowned upon. And like, I just, <clears throat> I just want... I don't know. I want to mix it up. I'm just so tired of these drawn out old brand. fantasy tropes. Yes, thank you. Well, newer D&D, 5th edition, I think it seems a little bit more fun. It breaks which it up. Really upsets gatekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that who I'm probably upsetting on today's episode. One of the things I that I know, so the next iteration of D&D, this D&D's got all kinds of controversy right now. Oh man, there's so many races. angry people. Yeah, we're not going to get into all that because I don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. I, I mean, okay, so people out there listening, you probably you might have an opinion about this, maybe you don't. But the reason why I don't is because we don't really play 5th edition. We don't really, we don't really, we're not, I, I feel for all the people who are publishing stuff, it seems like it's a real mess. And, like, I feel for all those people, it seems like Hasbro is kind of screwing folks over. And that's messed up. But it doesn't impact my gaming one tiny bit. I'm not subscribing to D&D Beyond. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I don't care about any of it, you know? So, like, for me, it doesn't matter at all. But... One thing that they are doing, and I know the next iteration, is they're getting rid of races, and they're changing it to species. And they should have done that a long time ago. But also, with the newer books, they are allowing all kinds of different stuff. You choose the flavor. The good part about that is, it breaks all the stereotypes. The bad part about it is, you have more work to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, because but, when you get rid of the tropes and you get rid of all those standards, it means that you have to do the work in order to differentiate each individual version of... Like, it's, it's convenient to have trolls are evil. Because trolls being evil makes it so that way the players hear about trolls and they want to go kill the evil trolls because the trolls are bad. It makes it really simple. You don't have to do anything. Like, as a GM, like, there's all this stuff you're kind of navigating. Like, that makes... There's a simplification of it that makes it... That's kind of nice. And also, it's sort of like... Well, you get to... You don't have to, like, worry about, like, interpersonal politics and figuring out the motivations behind, like, everybody. Like we do in real life. You just get to go and, like, use your sword and whack something to pieces. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but that's not what I like role-playing for. Exactly. Yeah. I like getting out of my head. 
My head sucks. <laughs> so my head sucks sometimes too. It's, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I like... See, because I kind of have been feeling another... Like, I love... I do love fantasy. And, you know, we've kind of joked about how I'm, like, so into Grimdark. But I think I really... What the thing I like about Grimdark in terms of, like, why I enjoy it is because it isn't so black and white. There's more, a lot more nuance to it. Yeah. You know, like, you're not the good guy. The good guys aren't the good guys. I mean, are there really good guys? Yeah. That's, I mean, even in real life, are there actually good guys? Like, it's everything, people like to make it black and white, but really, it's just... We play in shades shades of gray. gray. Exactly. So that's why I like, I've kind of gotten into that. It's not, it's, I mean, I, I, you know, there's some sort of, like... I guess sadistic appeal on my part for like watching these like you know like for these viking-esque murderers like running around like killing things and having these fights and stuff and if you read about it it stops you from doing it yeah um but it's (laughs) not that's my husband running down the road with a sword just stay out of the way an axe it would be an axe axe. (laughs) but the (laughs) but you know what i mean like i like i like the gray i like the that kind of like I feel like the characters have a much greater depth when they're not the hero versus the villain <laughs> you know what I mean like there's something nice about that you know that face is priceless it's hard to do that though in like a role-playing game because like who wants to sit at a table like you said and like play grim dark for like session after session after session, you you want to laugh. I know you. You want to like come to the game. You want to play a lighthearted character that's fun. Like you want to have, for the most part. Sometimes you play more deeper characters, but that's usually in one-offs. It's a brutal character. Yeah. yeah, I loved your character in Aegon. Ooh, Ruthius. Yeah. What a perfect name for that too, Ruthius. Yeah. Oh gosh. That was fun. But so, okay, so yeah, you hate D and D. Right? I mean, sure. that's... Sure, yeah. I hate D&D. It's funny, because I, I have a bit of a love <clears throat> relationship with it, because I do love AD&D 2nd Edition. There's something that speaks to me with it. Like, it's just... I don't know. There's just something pure and old school about it to me. But I... It doesn't hit... It doesn't check every box for me, either. You know? Like, I need... Like, I'm really excited about Aberrant. I'm excited about playing a supers game and playing this character that I'm going to play and like doing something different, you know. Not that I had any, you know, that I'm. It's not about having some sort of issue with Pathfinder or Amanda or anything like that. It's just because Amanda's running Aberrant. Obviously, we're playing it, but I think it's like I don't know. I I, I think you're right. I think, and to a certain extent, it does feel a little bit sometimes like. If I play, if I'm playing D and D, I know exactly what I'm gonna get. It's tired, and that's what I love about all of these other games, like the zine games and, and... and the zines. And you know, there's a lot of. I was, I kept seeing people in the D and D groups or whatever. Well, I'm gonna go play you know, Pathfinder or something else. And I'm like, it's the same effing thing. And every now and then, you'd see someone pop up with. But there's so many other kinds of games out there. 
And there are. Like, I'm looking over at our gaming shelf, and there's tons. So, you know. I mean, like, okay. Let's out, just We're going to just pull out a random book here. Okay, so this is Never Going Home. All right, so this is, I believe this game is. Who does this game? This is Never Going Home is by Wet Ink Games. This game, I believe, is World War One. The war. Okay, here it says on the back: the world is already at war. At war. Now the veil has been torn. The whispers promise you power. You may live long enough to lose your your humanity. Okay, now let's grab another one. What's another right, one? Right, I mean, one? like, there's that one. The very real dogs of Chernobyl. <laughs> Okay, no, so very, good, very dog. good dogs of Chernobyl. A role-playing game about good dogs fighting horrors from beyond in the Chernobyl exclusion zone. That's great. Right? I mean, and like, we have all kinds of these games. I mean... One more. What's that one? In the Light of the Faded World. It's a, it's a post-apocalyptic game where you play small animals going through in the earth that has been grown back over and you like expand out on your your territory i think you might even be like a mouse that's great i love it you play a small creatures venturing into the spaces presently extinct humanity once occupied see secure love your it. burrows and nests by recovering ancient artifacts reclaim and discover the spaces once occupied by gone folk forge for new food sources but travel carefully little ones the gone folks' spirits remain trapped in their massive tiled stone dens, as do the roving gangs of cats. Oh. I mean, like, okay, this isn't going to be for everybody. No. But. But something out there will hit the And this, this book, this book, by the way, I loved, I, I, I backed this on Kickstarter for one of the zine quests. It's a 42 page long book. This guy was awesome. The, I want to give the creator a shout out right now. Uh, let's see. I don't know. Derek Kinsman. He when he would do these updates and he'd be like, "This is the music I'm listening to while I'm working on the game." And all he had these enormously long updates, and it was like, like it was total labor of love. And he wasn't working for a company. He's like self-publishing, so he was. It was just his passion right and it's like and the artwork on the cover is oh, gorgeous beautiful artwork um it's a man i think her name is like amanda amanda lee frank is the artist um there's some really nice art inside here like here's a there's like a locust and a tree frog you can't really i love it yeah, yeah. i mean um and who does the very good dogs of chernobyl polymorph games polymorph games but i mean even like Kids on Bikes or Ten oh, Candles. Kids on Bikes, yes. Or, you know, Junior Brave's Survival Guide to the Apocalypse is a Kids on Bike hack, you know? So, like, these are really, there's lots of really there's good so games out, out there. there. We haven't even played any of these games yet. <coughs> okay, yes, you're right. We <coughs> haven't. Because we put all of our time in, we paid, we paid $20 an hour to, to play the game. To play the same game. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is, we talked about, nice catch. This is the price of coal, by the way. Here's <laughs> another game. A story game of labor rights. 
The Price of Coal is a card-based storytelling game about coal miners and their loved ones in West Virginia in 1921. Evocative prompts guide you through a year of struggles and triumphs in the community leading up to the Battle of Blair Mountain. Together, you'll fight for your rights and your union. How will you stand up for each other when the system fails you? I mean, nothing like playing a, uh, a based-on-real-life Appalachia game. That's what that sounds like. Uh-huh. Like, there is some... There's a new Appalachian Appalachia game that's just coming out. Or like the D-Sanction, which we played. Yeah. That was a I mean, good there's game. Just, there's so much good stuff out there. It's, it's the very same reason you and I tend not to reread books. Because there's just so much out there to, to look into and to explore and to enjoy. I think one of the things about D&D is, and I <laughs> fall under this trap all the time too, is that D&D makes you think that you're going to play this... Someone's at the front door. Somebody's at the front door. Makes you think that you're going to play this epic storyline and your character is going to grow in power and like kind of at the end you're going to save the world. And you're going to do all this stuff and it's going to be Matt Mercer and Critical Role and it's going to be this whole thing and it's going to be, that's the, that's the, that's what it sells you at the beginning. But it never ends up like that. The campaign ends halfway through and like, you know, like... You end up like grinding out. You play whole sessions where you're at the freaking store buying random goods and like oh my you try to figure out where you're gonna go and like even us or, we or people are sorting out what loot came out of what. Mm -hmm. just, it doesn't end up being the thing you think, and it takes so many hours to like even get to that. When you get a game where it does follow that whole path to fruition, it's very it's awesome, but. Almost no games do that. I ran the Compass Knights of Ordolin, which was which people talked about for you know, for years. That ended ten up years afterward. That was one of the <laughs> few games I mean I, that I know of, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I ran that through all the way to the end, and essentially they saved the world at the end. That that was, but that's and that was awesome. That fulfilled the promise of D and D that I think people have in their heads. Fact is, it almost never ends up like that. Yeah. You play, and everybody it's a gets bit a shorter, and that you can finish, and that you can just have a good time. And like know, we played uh, a three session campaign of Aegon. That was great. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. We played Blades out. in the Dark three sessions. We were a, a, a crew. We went on. We did a couple of things. And it was all sort of interconnected. Yeah. Awesome. And then when we were done. We were like, I would play this again. Yeah. You know, we were all excited. And that's what I like. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, it doesn't mean that it always has to be that, but. I kind of feel like, or desanction, three sessions. We yeah. played three sessions of desanction. Play something different every time. Also, have different people to play with. That's nice. Yeah, I agree. You get different voices, get different, I don't know, ideas. Minds. Yeah, I like it. And again, like you said, there's only so many ways that you can play a dwarf. Yeah. You know, before it kind of gets old. Yeah. All right, well. There we go. So the conclusion is Gretchen hates D&D, &D, play yes, other games. Yep, there we go. All right, well, let's finish up this episode then. Yeah. This is the end. So are we going to talk about books? Yeah, I just read a big honker. Oh, yeah, okay. What'd you read? You have been insane with your reading lately. Yeah. Talk about it. So I just, I, I, so according to Libby, it was 1,700 pages. 
And it's called Empire the Vampire. 1,700 pages? Yeah. One book? Yeah, it's big. You've been reading it that whole time? No, it only it took me a few days. A Some few days? days? I don't know. It was like six or seven days. You read a 1,700-page book in seven days? <laughs> Holy crap. We'll have a lot more free time than you realize if no, you did that. No, I just stay up later reading. Wait, let's see. Let's see. What is the actual page count? All right, what's Not the name of the book and who is it by? Empire of the Vampire. Okay, well, hold on. Let me... Is, did you put it in Goodreads? Did you okay, read hold on, hold on. Okay, so according to Libby, Libby, it was that many pages, but those are smaller pages. So according to Google, it's 752 pages. So there you go. Okay. Okay, it is by Jay Kristoff. Yeah. All right. And I saw... So What's it called again? Empire of the Vampire. Okay. Um, I saw someone on Facebook do like um, a piece of artwork with the book that had lips and fangs and a tongue and stuff. And I saw, I don't know, I just thought, okay, well, let me look at this book. What is this book about? And people really love it. So I, I started reading it and it's about the, this guy who is known as the Last Silver Saint. And it feels a little Vampire Hunter D. Um, That's okay, though. Where he and the other Silver Saints are half-breeds. Um, half-bred vampire, half-bred human. Blade. Blade, there you go. And um, Daywalker. And there's certain clans that they can come from that have their different traits. And it's about them trying to stop the... Uh, influx so something happened they called day's death where the the sun no longer shines as it should and so vampires start taking over and book one is about his struggle to um it kind of introduces everything that's happening and you know he's the last one so what happens what leads up to this or is he the last one i don't know because it's just he's jumping around telling his story in these different parts and um and he uh i don't know it's well written the characters are well they're 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 big like they, there's a lot of going on and the main character i love that description they're big like they're very well defined like they have a lot going on i just love that the, yeah the characters are big and and the the main guy whose name is just absolutely gabriel i think uh, Gabe, um, he, uh, he's not a good guy. He's absolutely great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the stuff, the brutality that happens is just, oh my God. <laughs> um, and the tragedy too. Like it's, it's heartbreaking at times. And, um, I just really liked it. And thank goodness that Jay Kristoff, uh, finished writing book two in December. So Oh really? Too long to wait, yeah. Which is really nice. Wait, it's already come out in December? No, he finished it, so now it's in the editing phase and stuff. Oh, okay. See, but you won't have that long to wait. That's good. No. Um that's awesome. Yeah, I actually last night started reading The Obelisk Gate, which is the Broken Earth trilogy, the second book in the Broken Earth trilogy. The first one is called The Fifth Season or Fifth Season. It's by N.K. Jemison. It's post-apocalyptic. 
by the fifth season, what they mean when they say season, it's basically like an, a season of apocalypse. So it's like the fifth apocalypse has happened. I, wait, doesn't the term apocalypse imply like the end? It's, they don't call it apocalypse. Okay. They just call it a season. Like, but that's, it, it, from what I mean is like, it's like, um, you know, like, in like The Last of Us, for example, which is, you know, a new zombie show on, based, based on the video, video game. game. But there's like some survivors. Yes. So, a season, it wipes out like most of the population when a season hits. And it'll be like. And it's and they're you know hundreds or even thousands of years apart from each other, and each one each of the seasons is like a different type of apocalypse. I guess you could say like okay. call it an apocalypse or whatever. They go into some of the details, but actually, they're doing an RPG on it, and oh. I found out they're they're doing an RPG of it, and I had read the first book. And when I saw they were doing an RPG, I was like, oh, I want to read this. I, that reminded me I wanted to read the next book. I, when I read series, I don't go necessarily all through it right in order. Like, I'll, like, read a book and then I'll read something else and I'll come yeah. back to it. Because I just, there's a lot of series that I'm reading. And so, like, and I just kind of need, sometimes it takes I just, a little bit to hold your attention to it. It's not just about holding the attention. It's just, like, I get a little tired of a style or whatever. And a lot of these books are pretty long, like um, like some of the uh, the Joe Abercrombie books. They're like six or seven hundred pages each, too. Okay. So like, there's nine books in that in the in the Joe Abercrombie series. I forget what the name of the specific series is that I've been reading, but you know what? I can actually find this right now. I've got it here. But like, I don't want to read nine straight seven hundred page books. You know, there's part of that too. You know, so... Well, they could... If they're good, they might capture your attention. The first law. The first law. No, they capture my attention. There's no doubt about it. I mean, like, they're good. but They're great books, actually. I love... I think Joe Abercrombie's a great writer of Grimdark and stuff. But I don't really feel like... Like, I like a different... I like to have different voices in my head, I guess. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I like a different writing style. No, Rob, I don't know what you mean. And, and the, um, the Obelisk Gate by N.K. Jemison is, it's written as, as though it is speaking to you. Mm. So she'll be like, you walk into the front door and you see this, but you think this. It's a little off-putting at first, <sighs> but... Even when I started reading the second book, I was like, oh, man, I hate this. Even though I had read the first one, I kind of had forgotten. I read 10% of the book last night. Okay. So I ended up reading 40 pages last night. You know, so, like, after, as soon as I got, like, after after it kind of settled in, I didn't even think about it again. But it's just such a different way. And she does a really excellent job of creating a language. You know, like, certain books will do that where, especially because it's post-apocalyptic, where they have like slang well, you and know me speech and made patterns. Up languages. It's not a made-up language. It's like instead of saying I try to figure it out, they use sus. Sus it out. That's a word. Oh, yeah, okay. But it's like the terms that they use are like 
if our language goes in a certain direction, it might end up being X. I think our language is going to go the way of hieroglyphics as emojis. <laughs> Probably. Emojis is hieroglyphics. It is hieroglyphics. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, I have been interested in... I, I have actually... A lot of, like, the books that I've read, I believe that the Joe Abercrombie trilogy i mean series first world i think that's all that's all post-apocalyptic the mark lawrence books were post-apocalyptic like there was like literally like holograms and like underground computer systems and um like you, you know machines that you could put your consciousness into and stuff like that like in the world like he that's part of it so i i these these quote-unquote grimdark books and this is considered a grimdark book the the uh mk jemison books they have a, a a bit of a um they're 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 post apocalyptic like I I'm into kind of into post apocalyptic stuff yeah I've gotten into that lately well and if they're the gonna have three years you might as well start prepping I've been wanting <laughs> to also like from an RPG standpoint I've been wanting to play a good post apocalyptic RPG but I don't want to play a zombie game because yeah. I kind of feel like zombies are tired too a little bit i mean the last of us has been great so far the first yeah. couple episodes but i really like the the idea behind it it, it actually seems possible as in absolutely uh fungi and taking over what is it what are they it's cytoseps i don't remember yeah. you're the you're good with that kind of stuff but. it's the fungus that takes over ants and bursts out their head and it's yeah. crazy yeah, yeah I, and it's yeah. real it's yeah. a real fungus. Yeah. And I really feel like, yeah, I could. And it just adapts to We're work screwed. in humans. We're screwed. So we should play role-playing games so we can have as much fun as we can. Why Why stick to one? <laughs> D&D is like cheese pizza. Why not add all the wonderful toppings to it before we die from some horrible thing that's going to kill and wipe out the world. I wouldn't say D&D is like cheese pizza. It's I would like say cheese pizza. I would say D&D is like I would say D&D is like Papa John's pizza. No, it's like old reliable. It, it I don't even know that it has like a branding really. I no, no, what I mean is like pizza. you can get different flavors on it and stuff, but it kind of all tastes a little bit the same. Like if you get a if you get a Papa John's pizza, you know you're getting Papa John's. Yeah, I guess it's so. not. It's like slightly worse than average. If you were to put down a slice of pizza in front of me, it was Papa John's. You would without know. telling me it was Papa John's. You could I have could, any yeah. toppings on it, but and it's you the same would know. thing for like Domino's, Little Caesars. Right, but there's also like even had it into Mellow Mushroom territory. But so now, see, like. Yeah, but mellow mushroom's get... pretty different in terms of like. Yeah, but you don't think you could recognize a mellow mushroom slice I could recognize from like a, a Donato's? Mellow... Yeah, but would you say? Wouldn't you agree that mellow mushroom pizza tastes dramatically different from Papa John's pizza? Yes, it tastes well, good. Well, but you don't er. think that D and D and Pathfinder are diff- very different. And Scrolls Pizza is good too. And that's different. And Pizza Vit. <coughs> Victoria. 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 I like pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not even hungry and I like pizza. Yeah. Have we talked enough? Are you done? I, I, you know what? I think we should <laughs> count how many minutes each of us talk through an episode just to see where we're at. Well, we know I talk more than you and it's not really... <laughs> 
curious how much <laughs> a lot <laughs> probably a lot i feel like you've talked a lot on this episode though i have I mean, you had a lot to say about your hatred of D and D. Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna see that one, you know, hate mail email that comes in that we never check. Oh, you check it. I check it. I don't all have the, time. the password, so I check it all the time. So, and you're always disappointed. No one loves us. Nobody ever sends. Well, no, that's not true. People like it, and sometimes people will comment on the on YouTube and stuff. Mm. It's pretty good. Rule number one: never read the comments. I read the comments every single time. Shut up, Frank. F you, Frank. (laughs) (laughs) That's a super inside joke. (laughs) Listen to episode two of Temple of Elemental Evil, the actual play, and you'll know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to say, aren't books awesome? Isn't isn't reading awesome? Like, I love reading. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, we talk about role-playing games in here a lot. But man, I think role playing games and reading, it just goes so hand in hand. Like yeah. to me, they're it's storytelling. It's just another kind of storytelling. And like whenever I reading those books and stuff, it really informs Oh, I want to talk about one other thing. Oh god, what? I get to write about D D. For yeah, the newspaper. For a local newspaper. I get to write a feature. Has has the Savannah Morning News ever had an article about D D? Yeah, there was a woman. You know what, actually, I think they might have been non-binary, so my apologies there if I'm getting that incorrect. But there was a, a person who did a weekly bar D&D game over at one of the local bars downtown. And, yeah, they were definitely non-binary. And they wrote, there was a little piece about that person and what they were doing over there oh, okay. but this is a feature about D and D that's gonna be so ghost table games cat who talked about fifth edition D and D in our edition wars episode also has a son named lincoln also has a son named lincoln <laughs> she is one of the organizers for ghost table games which is a savannah based gaming community that does things for charity they do online games and they do in-person games well they started a new game over at the VFW. The VFW. I was a little veteran, surprised by this, but I mean, uh, she uh, is... Foreign Wars. Those are combat veterans, too. Is mm-hmm. VFW's combat veterans. They're, so they're doing this event there as a as a, um, a monthly event, as a, as a benefit for veterans. And not only are they doing running D&D games, I think they have three tables that they're doing, up to eight people per table. But they also have, like, specialty food and drink, like, you know, named after, like, silly stuff and everything like that. And Kat was telling me, actually, because it's a really cool bar and they have, like, a courtyard area and stuff like that, that she's also trying to put together a monthly Vampire the Masquerade uh, LARP live-action game there at the VFW. Now, I would love to see old-school veterans watch LARPing. You know what, though? I have played... D&D has long been a part, and and role-playing games, and especially war games, but role-playing games and D&D has long been a part of the military community, at least amongst Americans. I, I can't speak for others, but, I mean, I have played and known all kinds of veterans there who love veterans, RPGs. Yeah. Like, it's a big... It's a thing in the... 
in uh, amongst. Well, I mean, military. when you have so much time away from home and away from all the normal comforts and what to talk about need for escape. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like even one of the guys that I used to play with when I was running this game, Curse of the Curious game, D and D game, he was. I believe he was in the. He was either in the. No, he was in the Air Force. But he had. He had gotten out of the Air Force and then joined the Air Force Reserves. And so he would have to go. It was like. Um, one weekend a month, but then like. And also like one month a year or something. I forget what it was, but. Sometimes he would play with us, and we play online. And like he caught, he played with us one time. He was like in the Middle East, in his barracks. He had his like gear on and stuff. Like I mean, his like, you know, military uniform on. And we're like playing there, and like you can see like military like other dudes like in his company or like all around him and stuff like that. So I think it kind of makes sense. I don't think it's and and Cat's a veteran. Yeah, but um, that's why I made the distinction like older veterans who yeah well and it's combat veterans like the vfw you know yeah it's a different kind of vibe but i mean cat is if you don't like cat you're the problem cat is so delightful well i don't know she gets pretty sassy on facebook and local community stuff it's it's pretty entertaining sometimes yeah but even if you were to disagree with cat if you met her in person like she'll she'll charm you Oh, yeah. She's so Yeah, cool. absolutely. But, man, she set some fires. <laughs> yeah. She does. That's, that's true. I that's love true. it. Um, but anyway, I get to write. It's a feature, too, like which is which was crazy because I, I pitched it to my editor because I just really wanted to write about B&B and get paid for it. And he was like, yeah, we're gonna, let's do a feature on it. And I'll send the staff photographer out with you. I want you to, you know, go to the game. And so I got to, like, go and play and, like, kind of, like, write my... A story about my experiences, and since it's a feature, it's probably going to be a front page kind of story. Are you going to so. interview people who are there but aren't playing? I'm going to talk to. I'm going to kind of read the room, but I'm pretty good at that. I mean, I do. I'm good at interviews, so I'll do a bunch of interviews. It'd be interesting um, to get the perspective of of people who aren't interested in role playing, or you know, in the future, LARPing, and just kind of see what they have to say about it. And because you know, they're I, running beginner games too, so they have like it's it's beginners. And they have beginner, at least one of the DMs will always be a beginner, and a beginner DM are specifically designed for beginner players, and it's, they'll have pre-gens and stuff, so you don't need to have anything. You literally can show up and play. And it's $8, or if you buy a meal, it's free. So you get to play the game. Like, so I will be, I'm, I'm curious too. Yeah, I would be interested in, in exploring and finding out, maybe we should do an episode about that, about military personnel who... Do role playing, and I think that'd be cool. Um, because we know that role playing has a very therapeutic effect on people and can really help. And it would be, I, I don't know, I'd love love to hear some stories. Well, if you've listened to this episode and you've gotten that this far into the episode, and you are hearing this, and you are a veteran, or you know some veterans who really like this game, please email yeah. us RPGs and Baby Makes Three. That's the number three at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to talk to you, because I think it is an interesting... Yeah. It's an interesting topic, because, you know, as being somebody who is not a veteran, but having encountered numerous veterans in the gaming community, I would be curious to see what that's like, the gaming community that is within active military, yeah. and what 
that situation is like and what kind of games has it always been acceptable and we know it's becoming more acceptable now to do role playing i mean there was that indeed commercial with the the whole D&D setup thing so we were watching NFL football playoffs <laughs> okay and a commercial for indeed the whatever it's like a resume or a job site a job site yeah. came on and they're playing D D in it and it was like a black woman and like a diverse collection of players happening during the nfl playoffs that it's not just that that commercial exists which is crazy enough on its own but when it was being played yeah. it was being played like in between probably like a beer commercial and Probably some like gambling, online gambling really thing or something. What Indeed did there, they really just I don't know reached out to a different community. I thought that was really interesting. Whole, multiple levels. I'm really appreciative of that. Gosh, this is going on a really long episode. That's okay. Let's call it quit, Scratch. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I know. We, we it's twenty dollars an hour for us to talk right now. We just spent thirty dollars on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could split it with uh, with. Our yeah. friends' parents. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you all Worth for it. listening. And uh, we'll try to keep the episodes going. I mean, this is two episodes within, like, the last month. So that's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. It had been seven months previously in between episodes. So. It's hard being a parent. Bully. Yeah. Not not in the, like, not child beating up or someone. No, but, like, yeah. huzzah! Yeah. Huzzah! Yeah. There we go. Huzzah. Yeah. That's more of a D&D thing. How do you feel I about that? I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you all Cheese soon. Cheese pizza. <laughs>